morning, everybody. Uh, again, to uh, the visitors and those who have come in before I, after I greeted the first time, I'll greet a second time because I'm running this thing so I can do it twice if I want to. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at the Gathering Place Church. It's great to have everybody here. And Jesus is risen. I know it's not Easter, but he did. After he was born and died, then he rose. And he is at the right hand of God waiting for all to come to him who will. And so today I want to talk to you about hope. There is, if there's one thing that human beings cannot live without, it is hope. It's literally the oxygen we live on as human beings. With hope, we go to college hoping uh, can you turn my mic down just a bit? we got a ring. Hoping you get a degree. Hoping after you get a degree, you get a great job. After you get the job, you're hoping that you get a great position. Then you hope for that promotion. You hope for that bonus. You get pregnant. You hope you make it through the first trimester and that it's a healthy child. We hope that our children grow up to be great sons and daughters. You start a business, we hope it succeeds, 9 out of 10 fail. A business is failing, you hope you can figure out how to turn it around. You find the perfect home, and you hope that you can get a loan from the bank, and the escrow closes. You meet him or her, and you're hoping he or she is the right one. I remember when I met Hope, brought her home to meet my family. My mom met her once, pulled me aside and said, marry her. That's what she said. (laughs) 22 years later, she hasn't left. So I'm hoping that I'll get another 22. We live on hope. You join a sports team, you hope that you can make the cut. You hope your team wins CIF. We live on it. Hope brings us great joy. Without hope, it's a hard life. Without hope, we lose our joy. We lose our strength. We lose our courage. We lose our faith. Because without hope, faith has nothing to believe for. You're hoping that you don't get laid off, and then you do. What do you do? When you, get that re, when you get that medical report that you, they found a tumor, what are you hoping for? That it's benign. And when it's not, your hope can really take a hit. Your child is sick. They don't know what the problem is. And you're hoping the next phone call will be the doctor saying, we found out what the problem is and there is a cure. And yet, that doesn't always happen. And it throws us into despair. And hopelessness can lead to despondency and even cause people to take their own life. Hopelessness. How many of you honestly have ever felt hopeless before? Just raise your hands. That means you're human and you've lived on the planet for more than a week. Um, I'm still getting a ring up here. I'm not sure what that's about. We live on hope. And we have to deal with hopelessness. Look what the Bible says about hope. In 
In the book of Proverbs, in the Bible, it's about right smack in the middle of the Bible. It says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Isn't that true? But when the dream is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. When that baby is born, isn't that a miracle? You know, we had a family that was in our church that she was, the doctor said she was 100% blocked. There was no hope she would ever have a child. She came to the church. She came down front here with our prayer teams. We prayed over her. She was driving down the freeway, and she said to her husband, I just felt something. She was pregnant, and they've had two children. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the dream comes, it's a tree of life. It's you feed on the joy of a fulfilled dream. We use phrases like silver lining. What does that mean? That means in this tragedy, I can see some good that can possibly come out of that. We hang on to that hope, the silver lining. We say, it's the darkest before the dawn. That means even though it's as bad as it can get, it seems hopeless, the sun rises Right after it's the darkest. It's the darkest before the dawn. Or there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And we hope it's not a train. And that leads us to our passage for today. 700 years before Jesus was born. The prophet Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah. And what he would be like and what he would do. You know there are hundreds and hundreds of prophecies about the Messiah, when he comes, where he would be born, what he would do, where he would live, what he would say, the encounters he would have. And Jesus has fulfilled already over 75% of them. He'll fulfill the rest when he comes back for his second coming. The probability of Jesus fulfilling all those prophecies are beyond computation. And so here the prophet is prophesying 700 years before Jesus comes on the scene. And he's prophesying first about Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. John the Baptist came first, six months before Jesus. It's a beautiful thing in the Christmas story. Elizabeth, who was John the Baptist's mom, was pregnant with John. Mary, six months later, is pregnant with Jesus. She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And when Mary walks through the door, these two pregnant cousins, she walks through the door, Elizabeth said, oh, and it says John the Baptist leapt in her womb when Jesus came through the door in Mary's womb. Isn't that amazing? And so then John was born and then he becomes a prophet and he was to lead the way for Jesus. And here's what Isaiah prophesies about John. And verse 76 of Luke chapter 1, Luke being a physician who recorded the life of Christ. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to repair his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. That means the complete removal of our sins. Through the tender mercy of God, with which the day spring, another word for day spring is the Messiah, with which the Messiah from on high has Or will visit us. And here's what Jesus will do when he visits the earth. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. That's the entire human race. That's spiritual darkness and the shadow of death. 
The greatest fear, psychologists say, and the human race is the fear of death. What's on the other side? What happens after we die? This has been a question that philosophers have wrestled with, spiritual leaders have wrestled with for centuries and centuries and centuries. What's it say about Jesus, though? That he will come and guide our feet into the way of peace. So today, I want to talk to you about Jesus, the hope of the world. I'm going to use hope as an acronym, H-O-P-E. So, the H in the hope, what Jesus brings, how does he bring hope to the world? First, he brings holiness. Now, holiness is a weird word to us. It makes us uncomfortable because it communicates something we know that we're not. I mean, when we think holiness, you think, how could holiness, how could Jesus' holiness bring hope to us? I mean, we see holiness as someone who lives in a monastery somewhere away from everybody or in a cave or up on a mountaintop with a shaved head and a sheet, you know, and, and doing something weird. Holiness is something where we're apart from the nastiness, the, the grit and the grime of the daily life and the strain and the darkness and the sin and the brokenness. But that's not true. In fact, Jesus was the most holy person who ever lived, being the Son of God, and he came down from heaven right smack so in the middle of really our mean? Life. I want us to look at holiness from a hopeful perspective. The word holiness, another way to look at holiness, it means wholeness or completion. Holiness means something that has no fractured parts, no chips, no cracks, nothing missing, nothing broken. It's like this. Here's a good picture. Every year, my family and I buy a thousand-piece puzzle for Christmas. I don't know why. We're just gluttons for punishment. And we pour it out on the kitchen table. And these pieces, you've got to flip them all over, which is really obnoxious. And now you've got a thousand pieces, and you've got to find the corner pieces first. And you've got to find the edges, right? And so we leave it on the kitchen table, so you can't use the kitchen table. Sometimes we've, it's been there till February. I mean, sometimes it just takes a long time to put these puzzles together. So you come by the table, somebody sits down, and, you know, and Ava and I have a little competition this year, and she's, you know, destroying me. I couldn't find one piece by the time she found 15. Of course, every time she finds one, oh, look what I found! And she puts it in there, right, and makes me feel really bad about myself and feel like a complete failure. But that's why it's good that we have Jesus. Because you and I are like that puzzle. And what do we do when you're trying to put this puzzle together? You look up at the box, right? And you see the completion. You see the perfection. And you say, where does this piece go? Ah, wow, I know where that goes. You put it in there. And you're looking for another piece, and you keep looking at the box. You look at the box, and you find the pieces. You look at the box, you find the pieces. You look at the box, you find the pieces. That's what holiness is. Jesus is the perfect human. And we look at him, and then we look at our lives, and we know how our lives go together. We keep looking at him and look at our marriage. Look at him. Look at our children and our parenting. Look at him. Look at how we handle our finances. Look at him. Look how we treat one another. Look at him. Jesus is the image we are becoming. He is making us holy or whole and complete. He's putting us back together again. Isn't that great news? That's how holiness is hope 
in our lives. But without having Jesus in your life, what picture are you looking at to see who we are and who we're supposed to be and what are we going to become? All we can do is look at ourselves and become our own gods. But we're broken. We're the thousand pieces on the table trying to put ourselves back together again. But look what the Bible says. This is such a hopeful passage. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Isn't that beautiful? That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And here's even better news. God is the one who is putting us back together. We are not putting ourselves back together. We need to partner with him, but he does the heavy lifting. How many of you have learned so far that it's, you just, you can't change yourself? Raise your hand. Come on. New Year's resolutions are really a waste of time, aren't they? They just make you feel bad about January the 15th. It's like, ah, forget it. You get that big pint of chunky monkey out and just eat the whole sucker, right? Right there. The whole thing. Just lick the lid and everything. You know, it's over. You have to wait till 2019 and re-up all over again. One time somebody had talked me into doing something, which I think was absolutely horrible, and that is to have the whole congregation write down what your resolutions are, then send them in to me, and then I'll pray over them, and then I'll send them back to you in six months to see how you're doing. That's how you lose half your church right there. Because nobody, nobody's got time for that. Nobody's coming back for that. Might as well just get t-shirts out there called Big Fat Failures. God is the one who is putting us back together. Look at this powerful scripture. God, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, Philippians 1.6. God began doing a good work in you. And I am sure he will continue it until it is finished when Jesus Christ comes again. So the first part Of the hope that Jesus brings to you and I is he brings wholeness to us. He shows us the image and the picture. And then he says, I am putting you back together again. It might be your marriage. It might be your children who's run away or run away from Christ. It might be your finances. I mean, he puts us together. No matter how broken we are, come to him and he is the restorer. He knows where every piece is. I mean, there are times we swear there's a missing piece of this puzzle. We're looking under the table, right? You look and look under the puzzle again. God knows where every piece is and where it fits when it together. Comes to hope. The first is H, is his the wholeness second or his thing, holiness. The second is the O, and that is an open heaven. Once you come to God's Son for salvation, you never have to sing the song, knock, 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 on heaven's door again. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to bombard the gates of heaven in prayer. Because Jesus took the hinges off the door when he died for our sins, rose from the dead, sat at the, the, the throne of God. There is no door and there are no more gates. You don't have to call the big guy upstairs anymore. Because once you come to Christ for salvation, God forgives you and I of our sins completely. 
and breathes the spirit of his son into our, our souls. Jesus calls it being born again. And in that instant, it could happen today. It could happen to you right now as I'm preaching. You could just say, God, I believe. I believe. And I need my sins forgiven. And you can just ask Jesus into your life right there, right now. You do that. Your sins are wiped out because of what Christ did for you on the cross. God's listening to this message. He's saying, go, John, preach it, preach it. He's listening. And he's waiting for you to receive his son. As soon as you do it, he forgives you, breathes the spirit of his son into you. You become a son or a daughter of God. It's a miracle. It's called the new birth. It's not church membership. Jesus said you've been born once through your mama. You've got to get born twice, this time through God your Father in heaven. Breathe his spirit into you. Once that happens, it is permanent. You're a child of God. You're in the family of God. And you can call him daddy. You know, we think about God, and he's, I was raised uh, in a religion that was just so ominous, and there's statues everywhere, and and and. and and the pastor was wearing something unique than from everybody else, and it was kind of separate, and and it was just ominous. And God just like big and upset. But that's not how I see him anymore, because I've read the Bible, and he's good and merciful and kind and forgiving and patient. And understanding. The greatest picture I have of God now is when my kids were younger, I purposely set up my office so that there wasn't a big desk between us. Where they walk into my room, there's this big oak desk and this big leather chair and there's that. I put the desk behind me so that when they come through the doors, I can, my chair, I just swivel it around. And they come running right into my lap and I just hug them and kiss them and tickle them. Then they run back out. I didn't want anything between them and daddy. I wanted them to feel the freedom. And they're more important than any work I was doing anyway. And I wanted them to feel that and know that. That's the way it is with God. Once you come to his son, the gates are ripped off, the doors are off the hinges, and the Bible says we come straight to Jesus. Look at this powerful scripture. Jesus said in John 151, oh, I tell you the truth, you, you will all see heaven open. There's the O, an open heaven. And the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway to heaven that Led Zeppelin sang about. This is where they got it from. They just messed it up a little bit. Some girls buying it. I don't know why. Here, Jesus is the stairway between heaven and earth. So you come to Christ, you're in the house, you're in God's house. Just walk up the stairs. Walk right into Dad's room and sit there and talk to him. Any time of the day. He doesn't sleep. I know he doesn't because for some reason he likes to wake me up like last night at 3.30 in the morning. Anybody? Anybody? What is that about? Does he not remember what it's like to be human? I know you guys don't need to sleep up there, but down here we love our sleep. So stop. The enormity of this truth cannot be overstated about how Christ has opened the way and opened heaven for us. So we're not living on our own resources. Tremendous. I mean, to live this life 
on our own limited resources is the biggest mistake this side of heaven. Because heaven's not broke. Heaven's not limited. God's arm is not short that he can't reach anybody on the planet. But he needs people on earth praying. That is how heaven is released into the earth. That's how healing attacks sickness. That's how wealth attacks poverty. That's how wisdom overcomes confusion. That's how peace overcomes anxiety. Our family has had crazy prayers answered. Just recently, our dog got ripped open, his gut got ripped open by another dog in the neighborhood. $5,000 surgery, they said he was going to die. We decided not to let him die. We took him home. He was bleeding, and he was just going to bleed out. And we laid hands on him and prayed. He's completely healed. A dog. Are you better than a dog? Your wife might not think so, but God cares about his whole creation. When you realize that heaven is open to the earth, you pray about everything. Like parking spaces. I pray for parking spaces. Some people think that's silly, but you're driving around the block. I park. That's ridiculous. Praying for parking spaces. And there you go, driving around and around. I'm enjoying the concert. I'm eating a great meal. I'm watching you drive by. There you go. And the Williamses here, Phil and Christina Williams, they went upside down financially, and God started teaching Phil about finances and, and how, to, how to work heaven on earth. And his, their testimony was so phenomenal. And these are two of the best Christians I know givers benevolent kind and completely revolutionized their business so they went on the 700 club and and had a video made of them their testimony and phil's going to help me preach in january in our new series loving god back and learning how to walk with god uh with your finances so that you're not struggling and suffering but you can be blessed and then be blessed to be a blessing and be a giver they're just living a blessed life because they learned how to release heaven on earth through prayer so many great testimonies in this church about God's prayers being answered. I want to pray right now. In fact, we're not just a teaching church. We're a demonstration church. What I mean by that is we don't just teach about what's available. We actually do it. And so uh, this week has been kind of crazy. Um, our house, uh, we had a major situation at our house, uh, not with any person, but with the property. Mike and Liz Williams, their house flooded right in the middle. And he was helping us get ready for this this. Uh, this uh, Christmas service, uh, 3.30 in the morning, I'm up. So I texted my son, saying, hey, hope to see you in church tomorrow. He's in college. And he said, actually, I'm in the ER. I cut my hand at work, and they're stitching up. Then Les, who's one of our members here, came to me right before church, saying my wife and my, my family just got in a car accident on the way here. He said, they're, they're fine, but it's serious. And, and so uh, these, these, see, these kind of moments where you get hit like this, if you don't have an open heaven, faith in God, what do you do? Yeah, you panic and freak out. I do too. But after I panic and freak out, then I pray. <laughs> but if you don't have a prayer life, you just panic and freak out. So I'm going to pray for these real quick. Would you pray with me for these situations? Because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is how the body of Christ loves one another. God, we lift up less. 
And the Meredith family right now, we pray whatever that situation happens, we pray that, that Dawnette, we pray his children are safe and sound. We pray that there's no residual effects. We pray whatever property loss, God, they restore it to them. We pray for my son Elliot right now, that his hand would be healed up quickly and rapidly and supernaturally. We pray for the Williams' family, God, that that flood situation will be worked out. They'll feel hope. They'll see your intervention as their dad, as their father in heaven, and their provision, God. We pray, Father, for our family, that you will take care of the situations in our home and our property. Father, we pray for everybody in this church right now, God, every need in this place, God. We pray heaven on earth into every situation that's on the heart of those here in this church, those listening, Lord. We pray, Father. We pray together for heaven on earth, God. Your power, your peace, your protection, your presence. You know, in uh, January 1st, I'm going to tell you this now because next Sunday is January 31st. You don't want to miss Colin Higginbottom. You want to be here next Sunday. It is going to be a powerful message. I want to start with called a 30 for 30. That is... Being in the Word and prayer, being in prayer and reading your Bible 30 minutes every day for 30 days. Now, that's the way to start the new year, huh? Calling heaven on earth. We're going to fast and pray for intimacy with God, connecting your relationship, increase for the will of God in our lives. What we're doing right now, pray for God's increase to invade our lives and for ingathering, praying for people who are far from God. To come to his son Jesus and find the peace and the salvation of forgiveness that many of us know. That's what we're going to fast for in January. Intimacy, increase, and in-gathering. So what I want to do is this. I'm going to ask you in your bulletin. You don't have to do it right now, but there's a QR code. You can get up on the website or go to our website and look for the 30 for 30 fasting. And sign up for a day, any day you want out of the 30 days or two days or a week or whatever you want to do. Our goal is for somebody to be fasting every day. For the first 30 days of January. I'll kick it off. I'll fast New Year's Day. I'll lead the way. But if you'll get up there and just find a day, put your name in there, and let's get that whole calendar filled up, and let's pray and fast for the first 30 days of January and just see what God will do in this church and in our lives. It'll be awesome. And that'll be the proof that the open heavens are truly open. Look at the Bible says. This agrees with the purpose God had since the beginning of time. And he carried out his plan through Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ, we can come before God with freedom and without fear. I didn't know that. I didn't know that growing up. You can come before God. I had to go in this little booth and I had to tell somebody my sins. That was awful. It was scary. No. The Bible says... That we can come to God with freedom and without fear. We can do this through faith in Christ. And this is what I love so much about God. He's so empathetic. He knows what it's like to be human. He became a human being. And he suffered mistreatment. He suffered injustice. The religious leaders accused Jesus of being demon-possessed, a liar, a deceiver of the people. He was rejected by his best friends and abandoned in his darkest hour. He was called names. He was beaten. He was whipped and tortured. He suffered anxiety so badly that in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to be crucified, it said he, that blood came out the pores of his face, which is a medical possibility, a biological reality. When you're under so much stress, your pores can literally 
have blood come through them. That happened to Jesus. He knows what it's like when you're having that 3.30 a.m. panic attack. He feels you. So it's not like when you come to God. Even if you made your own mistakes and you feel like an idiot, come to God and say, I'm an idiot. He'll say, I know. I didn't find out about it when you told me. I watched you do that. But I understand. I understand. I understand. I understand your frailty. I understand you're that thousand piece puzzle spread all over the table. And I'm here for you to put you back together. So come to the puzzle maker. I wonder if Jehovah's, Jehovah puzzle maker is in the Bible somewhere. Chris, you think that's a Hebrew name? Jehovah puzzle maker? I'm going to search for it. Will you look that up for me? Great, thanks. Look at this tremendous verse regarding Jesus as our high priest. This high priest, Jesus, of ours, understands our weaknesses. He understands when you're sitting there eating that pint of ice cream. He understands the anger, the confusion, the discouragement, the fear. He understands. He understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do. Yet he didn't sin. He didn't cave. You say, well, how does that help us? So let us come, say it out loud. Say it again. Let us come boldly. Be like my little children when they were little, bursting into my office, just throwing the doors open and running right up into my lap. Come boldly. To the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. Everybody say, thank God for his mercy. You know what mercy is? You don't get what you deserve. That's mercy, right? If we all got what we deserved, we would just completely disintegrate. Poof, we're done. Gone. Because he holy, he's holy and we aren't. And we will find grace. You know what grace is? You get what you don't deserve. His provision, his presence, his power, his protection. Come and you will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's why I pray so much. I need so much grace and mercy and so do you. <laughs> And I want you to know, I pray for you every day. I pray for my wife. I pray, I pray for my kids. I pray for you every Jesus comes back. day. The third thing that Jesus brings us, bringing us hope, H-O-P-E, is peace. Lord, if there's anything the world needs, it is peace. We humans do all. We go to the ends of the earth to experience peace in our spirit, our souls, our minds, so we're not tormented, our bodies. You know, one person said, that we spend the first half of our life spending our health to get wealth. And the second half of our life spending our wealth to regain our health. We use medications, meditations, extended vacations to find peace. And yet, the, we read earlier in the opening passage that Jesus has come... It says to guide our feet into the way of peace. That word in that passage means this, peace. Imagine this being who, your state of life, a state of rest, 
quietness, calmness, an absence of strife, tranquility, perfect well-being. Harmonious relationships between God and people, people and people, nations and families. Isn't that the state you and I want to be in 24-7? On this side of heaven, man, we are going to experience stress and pressure and anxiety. I mean, I, I remember one time I had to get away just to get along with Jesus because I was, I just, you can feel stress. How many of you ever just felt stress going through like your bones? Anybody ever like felt that? I feel it like in my legs, right? Some people get it up here and, you know, sometimes I'm lying in bed at night and I'm, I don't realize I'm doing this. I'm trying to sleep. I'm like, oh my gosh. Anybody? You know this, right? Yeah? You got that? Yeah. Right? You just feel that? So I got away. I, I went up on the highway one and got out of line. I was looking for a place to get along with God because I knew I needed to connect with Christ because I know he's the source of peace. I couldn't find a, a nice pine tree to sit under, and I was getting so frustrated. All I'm doing is driving around looking for the right place. So you know what I did? I said, forget this. God's everywhere. I pulled off the side of Highway 1 up in Laguna Mountains, right off the, fr- the highway, right off the berm. Could barely any room. Got out my lawn chair, went on the other side of the guardrail, and just opened it up and sat there. I said, oh, God. And I mean, the peace of Christ went into my heart, and I just felt his peace, the Holy Spirit, go through me. It's going to be all right. God's in control. What are you freaking out about? I'm like, I know. I got back in my car. I'm driving home. And I have the peace of Christ. I connected with God. And I said to the Lord, God, I can't make it without you, Jesus. How are, how's the world making it without you? I was like really asking, how are people, I don't know why. How come I can't make it without you? How, how are they making it without you? You know, sometimes you ask God a question you think is really profound. And when he gives you the answer, you realize how dumb it was. How are people making it without you, Jesus? And he said, they're not. I'm like, oh, yeah. Jesus, the hope of the world. Did you know that one of Jesus' names is the Prince of Peace? Wow. The word prince means the originator, the head, the source of peace. Look at this beautiful scripture on this Christmas weekend. For to us a child is born, speaking of Jesus 700 years before he was born, this is a prophecy. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Right there, by the way, is Jesus being called God again. His name is Everlasting Father and Prince of of peace. How does he give us this peace? Three ways. One, he gives us peace with God through the forgiveness of our sins. Two, he gives us peace of mind and heart through believing prayer, like I just explained. And three, he gives us peace of the Holy Spirit, whom he gives to those who believe in him. Look at this tremendous passage. Jesus says, right before he left the earth, right before he went to be crucified, he said to his best friends this, I am leaving you with a gift. Everybody say gift. Yeah, it's Christmas weekend, right? It's all about gifts. Jesus says, I'm leaving you a gift. What is that gift? Peace. Peace of mind and heart. You see, you have to come to Christ, Jesus. 
And I'm talking about those of you who have never come to him today. Come to him. I guarantee you, you will experience a peace you've never known before. You'll experience it immediately. You receive Christ as your Savior, immediately you're going to feel a peace on the inside you've never known before. And those of you who have followed him, but you've gotten away from Christ and your relationship with him and your prayer life and in the word, you're experiencing anxiety at a level that is unnecessary because Jesus is your Prince of Peace. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This peace is not something you and I can earn or purchase. It's a gift. You imagine tomorrow you're sitting there and a relative comes up and says, Oh, I can't wait for you to hit the open this gift I got for you. It's got your name on it and it's got all the... You know, the wrappings, and it's just beautiful, and they give it to you, and they can't wait for you to open it. And you're digging through it, and you open it up, and it's like, oh, my gosh. Is it like a new watch or something, or a necklace, a piece of jewelry, or a phone, or whatever? And you're like, wow, that's awesome. You know, just the joy of giving. Can you imagine after that moment they say, okay, that'll be 50 bucks? Well, that's weird. That doesn't make it a gift, does it? Well, here's what religion teaches us. We pay for it up front with trying to be the perfect people so that one day we'll meet God and he will check to see if our sin and our holiness balances out and which one wins out. And if you did more bad than good, you're out. That's what religion teaches. Or you get to come back and try it again over and over and over and over and over. That would be miserable. The Bible says that we die once and then the judgment. And the judgment, as the Bible says, that the penalty of sin is not doing good works. The penalty of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, salvation is a free gift. That is why followers of Christ don't spend our lives working for God to one day be accepted by Him. We have been accepted by Him freely because of the gift of Christ Jesus. Therefore, we live a thank you life. Every dollar we give, every prayer we pray, every person we tell about Christ, every good deed we do is a thank you, God, you know, for your mercy in our lives. One of the most comforting and tender uh, things Jesus calls himself is the good shepherd. A shepherd's number one goal is to keep his sheep at peace because they're easily frightened. They're nervous creatures, and they're easy. they can be attacked, they're vulnerable, they're weak, they're skittish, they're dumb. By the way, and Jesus calls us sheep, so it's supposed to be funny, but it's really not. And he calls himself our good shepherd, and, and a shepherd knows how to calm his sheep. You know, when I was, when my son Elliot was about one and a half, he would get so worked up. You know, how many of you have a one and a half or have ever had a one and a half, right? One and a half, one, one and a half, two year old. They, they, can, they can get pretty amped up, huh? Then they get over the top and their emotions are beyond themselves, right? And they're, they're overwhelmed and they're beyond re- coming back themselves. And so the only thing that would calm Elliot down, I can tell about this because he's not here this morning, is I would have to go get him. I'd pick him up and I would 
rest his head on my shoulder. And he would, he'd be like, you know, at first he'd be just wailing, right? Or, you know the back arch? Anybody know the back arch? Wow, right? And you're like hanging on to him, right? And then he would like melt into my body, his into mine. And then he'd go, <laughs> sucking on the pacifier, right? And it's like literally I could feel him sink into me. And that's the only thing that would calm him down. It's like a shepherd with his sheep. That's what Jesus does with us. And he has a tremendous promise to his sheep. And this is the E of, the hope, e of hope, hope eternal close with this. life. Look what Jesus says about his sheep. My sheep know my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give them, I give them eternal life. So that they will never be lost. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. It is a free gift. Jesus calls us sheep. He calls us lost sheep and found sheep. Are you lost or found today? Are you one of Jesus' lost sheep? You have not come to the shepherd yet or come back to the shepherd? Or you're not coming to the shepherd? Or are you a found sheep? Well, you've come to the shepherd. You say, you are my good shepherd. Jesus, you are my Savior. You are my God. And your shepherd takes care of you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. He causes me to lie down in green pastures and by still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you, God, you're with me. Peter says it this way. Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross so we would stop living for sin and start living for what is right. And you are healed because of his wounds. You were like sheep that wandered away, but now you have come back to the shepherd and overseer of your souls sheep can easily get off track and get into the wacky weed and then they bloat up and then they fall on their back and they can't get up and they're kind of like on their back like this and their belly's all bloated and their legs are going like this and they can't flip over some of you might be in that condition today spiritually you're upside down you've been in the wacky weed and you're all bloated and you're on your back and you're stuck and the only and your prey your prey for the enemy. The wolves will come and eat that little lamb. But the shepherd comes with his staff. And that's what Jesus is doing for you and I today. He's coming with his staff to beat off the enemy. And to pick you up. And to put you on his shoulder. And carry you to safety. And he'll do this freely. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And this last scripture. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. It doesn't get any plainer than this last portion of this scripture. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Those of you here today who are followers of Christ already, you've already received Him as your Savior, 
I want you to have hope today. That His holiness, He is not done with you. He's still putting you back together like Humpty Dumpty. Have hope. He's not going to give up on you. Ever. And the O, the open heaven. Realize that you can pray boldly. And if you pray for too much stuff, apologize for it when you get to heaven. But just pray. You can ask my wife. I pray for everything. The tiniest things, the medium things, and the big things. Because who knows? You might win the lottery on one of them, right? But if you don't pray, you won't. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And the peace. If you don't have peace in your life, just come back to Christ. And come to Him every day. He'll give you peace. And for those of you who are lost sheep, you've never come to the shepherd. You've never come to Jesus. I want to say to you, you can never do enough to earn God's favor. His favor and His salvation and His forgiveness is free. And it has to be. Because you can never, ever be good enough to earn God's forgiveness. That's why he sent his son to die in your place. Because he knows you'll never make it. Christianity is not what you do for God. It's what God has already done for you. It's Christmas. Receive the free gift of his son. Will you close your eyes with me this morning? Let's bow our heads together. Are you the one that is so angry at yourself because you keep making mistakes and you keep blowing it and you keep failing? If that's you, just... Just rest in the puzzle maker's arms right now this morning. Just know that you're not on your own. He's working on you. He's working on your spouse. He's working on your kids. He's working on you. Trust God. He's not mad at you. He's just putting you back together again. Maybe you're the prayerless person and you just have lost your faith pray again start praying again let him get some wins let him start answering some prayers and restore your hope start praying again pray for things maybe you're the person that's lost your peace we come to him right now right where you are and just say jesus you're my prince of peace you're my shepherd I'm hyperventilating and I just need to rest on your shoulders today as my shepherd. And you're here today and you've never come to the shepherd. You've never come to Jesus, the Son of God. And you're hoping one day you'll get to heaven and you'll be good enough to get in. I'm going to tell you that's a false hope. The Bible does not say anything like that remotely. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death. But the free gift of eternal life is through His Son, Jesus Christ. But you must receive the gift. And now is your opportunity to do that. And I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Savior, the forgiveness of your sins. For God to breathe His Spirit in you. You're here today. You've never received Jesus as your Savior. I want to pray with you. So I'm going to ask you simply to slip your hand straight up. So I can see your hand. I see your hand right here. Somebody else, raise your hand. I see your hand right there. Somebody else, raise your hand and say, I need to receive Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. I need to know 
that my sins are forgiven, that I'm going to heaven when I die. And there's only one way. It's through Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I see your hand. Somebody else raise their hand and say, I need to ask Jesus into my life today and make him the Savior. I see your hand over here. Anybody else raise your hand? I see your hand, ma'am. The jean jacket. Awesome. Somebody else raise your hand and say, I need to make Jesus my Savior today. Anybody else? Jesus is your shepherd. He's here. He's watching. And I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says when one lost sheep turns and comes to Christ, all of heaven begins to shout and throw a party. That's what's happening right now in heaven. Is there anybody else this morning, this Christmas weekend, that will receive the gift the free gift of eternal life through Jesus. Will you just raise your hand? Anybody else? I see your hand right here, young man. I see that. Awesome. Anybody else? Church, can we join heaven in celebrating those who just gave their life to Jesus? Let's all pray this prayer together for those that are coming to Christ for the first time. We prayed this prayer. We just want to pray it with you. But let's receive this gift together. This is how you do it. Let's just all confess out loud together. Dear God, we receive Jesus, the Son of God, as our Savior today. Thank you for giving us the free gift of eternal life through your son thank you that my sins are forgiven not because of my good works but because of Jesus' good works in Jesus mighty name and everybody shout it amen Woo!